Welcome to the Strange on Purpose podcast. I'm Izzy and I'm super, super, super excited for today's episode. Two people that are deeply, deeply, deeply creative and have brand new silhouettes that are, how do I, actually, I'm not even going to try to explain it. I'm going to let them explain it throughout this episode, um, but I'm very, very excited for Brittany and Dream to jump on the show with me. Thanks for joining me. Our pleasure. Thank you for having us. So I've had Jeff on the show. Uh, a lot of people know 99 products. Um, we've talked about it uh, with Jeff. We've talked about it through education landscape. But if somebody walks up to the street and asks you like, hey, what do you do for a living? What are you telling them? Um, okay. So what I would tell them is that I am a designer. First off and foremost, I'm a designer. I design footwear. I design accessories. Sometimes um, I'll get that project leader hat, which most of us do in this group, <laughs> and um, just the all-around creative. Um, I don't have any limits on what I create. I, you know, I try to do as much as I can. I love working with my hands. It doesn't matter what the medium is. I'm just like an all-around creative. What about you, Drew? I usually say something similar. Um, I feel like in the creative space, it's hard to describe everything that we do. Because like Brittany mm-hmm. said, a lot of it is shoes, but sometimes it's hairbrushes, sometimes it's apparel, sometimes it's websites and everything in between. So I usually just stick with, I make shoes for a living and I feel like that encompasses a lot of what we do, but there's definitely layers to a lot of the work that we do and a lot of the fun that we have. Obviously we're here to talk about shoes, but I actually want to go into uh, both of you as a person, um, anybody that listens to the show understands that obviously shoes is a part of the shows, but it's not the part. Uh, we very much want to learn about your creative journeys, anything like that. So Brittany, tell me a little bit about yourself. Obviously, we, we just said you just let us know like what you do for a living. But what do you do outside of work? And like, how does that kind of direct you in your creative journey? Well, first off, I'm a I'm an introvert. So being in this in this industry and in this space really it's like a push and pull because it's, it's really pushing me to one, come out of my comfort zone, you know, interact with my peers, um, and really have the space to share what I'm thinking, um, you know, on the inside. Um, cause I'm the type of person that I just mm-hmm. like just being around me. Um, you know, um, what are the things that I like to do? Hmm. I love, being active, being outside, being in nature. I feel like that definitely influences like my creative juices, just being outside. Um, I love watching crime documentaries. (laughs) That's like a former part of my life because I went to school for psychology. So that was going to be like one career path I was going to go on. Um, and probably the most important part of myself that I feel like people, if you know me, you know, it's just like, um, my faith is such a a integral part of me and my life, just being a a believer in in Jesus. And I feel like that's shaped my character, um, my work and just my path in life, just even leading me up until this very point. So that's me in a nutshell. (laughs) I, uh... I feel like I have a lot of different hobbies, like way too many hobbies. Um, I know when I was a kid, I used to live overseas and I loved soccer. I was like diehard soccer fan, Ronaldinho fan. Um, moved back to the States and started to love football. So I was a football kid all through high school. Um, I also 
like had a crazy passion for Legos. So I remember nice. being like <laughs> six, seven years old and building Legos at nine o'clock at night with my mom and she would try to help me. And I was just kind of stubborn and loved my Legos. So I was like, no, I'll, I'll do this part and this part and this part and this part. Um, and then like recently I've gotten to DJing and rock climbing and it's just, I'm kind of all over the place. So yeah. I feel like with all these random different passions, there's <laughs> interesting things to find and people to meet that, I don't know, kind of get you just get me juiced about all the different cool things that I get to participate in. So absolutely, that's awesome. Okay, Dream, would you consider yourself an extrovert then? I don't, I don't really know. I feel like I sometimes I'm very okay just being on my own and doing my own yeah. thing, but at the same time, I love meeting new people and spending time with new people and people with interesting stories. So. I don't know. I'm kind of in between. I just think it's funny that it's funny that Brittany says that because recently she set up all these different like interviews and podcasts, and she's head of 99 PR. So oh, if she's an introvert, then I don't know. This team is pulling me out of my comfort. They're they're really doing it for 2024. So you know, I'm, awesome. I'm trying. I'm trying to be better. <laughs> just to like talk about introvertedness versus extrovertedness in this industry. I know that like creatives themselves. Uh, especially in the footwear space, get a lot of, I guess, um, influence from the surroundings. Uh, and whether that's going to an art museum by yourself or whether that's going to Art Basel with a bunch of people that, and you're waiting in crazy lines and stuff like that. So like when it comes to like creativity um, and finding it for the both of you, um, how does that look? And I'm eager to hear like the differences between the two people. Coming up with inspiration when you have to, it sucks because the best way to come up with something and be inspired by something is just doing what you normally do and seeing interesting things. And like you said, going to a museum and seeing something that might spark a thought or an idea or sort of just walking around the city and seeing people with cool outfits or cool storefronts with cool signage and all the random things in your life that you might pass by that have magic in them, but you might not notice every day. Um, but when you have to sort of go in search of the new thing, I think there's a lot of pressure that designers put on themselves to yeah. like scour each, like every corner of the world to find something new. But I feel like a lot of times new and interesting things are just in your backyard and you kind of just have to look at them differently to gain something new from it. I don't know, generic answer, but no, I feel like, like walking it. around the city, I feel I see a lot of a lot of cool things. Um, so I like I said before, like I'm just a person that just mm -hmm. loves nature. I will like I just love, especially in the mornings. Like I, I try to get up early, like, and it's so funny because I hate getting up, but it's literally the best time to go outside and to like take everything in and like just the sun rising and just being around like all of that, um, just taking a walk or something like that will really help me to kind of like clear my head, think about what's this, what I want, looking at the sky, like random stuff like that will literally help me um, just think of the most craziest colorways or just, hey, what if this was made out of this? Like, uh, you know, yeah. just being outside helps me do that. I mean, normally 
a lot of us will, yeah, we'll surf the net and, you know, maybe look at a couple IG things or stuff on Pinterest or stuff like that. That's kind of normal. But for me to like really tap in, I like to, I just like to be outside and I don't live in New York City. So Dream literally could probably step out and see like the craziest things. I'm like outside of Philadelphia, so it's more quiet. You don't have all that extraness going out, going on outside of my door. So I got to push a little bit harder. <laughs> okay, so you like to go outside um, and feel that. And Dream, I feel like you just mentioned, Brittany, like you can walk out your doorstep and just like instantly be hit with creativity at any point. So let's talk about like how like having a nine to five brings structure. Um, but uh, through that entire thing, uh, I think being a creative and being a designer, you have to have some uh, non-structure uh, and take away some of those pillars. So like, how do you balance those two? Like, how do you balance just walking in nine to five every day? Or like, sometimes you can walk out your door dream and feel like you are getting crazy inspiration, but then you have to go into an all team meeting at 9am and then lose it all. Like, how do you balance that? I don't know. I think a lot of the, the structure that like you said, a nine o'clock meeting and an 11 o'clock meeting and a three o'clock meeting, that structure can take away from some of the inspiration that you might find and maybe the energy that you have. Um, and I think that's why a lot of designers actually are, are night owls because during the day, you're kind of like you're in meetings, you're sending emails, you might be doing revisions or whatever it may be. Um, and I think finding that time for yourself where you can really just focus and lock in and explore your passions and see where those passions take you. Um, I think that's sort of my favorite part about not necessarily working 24 seven, but yeah. kind of just being open to inspiration and open to thinking creatively 24 seven. Like I was at the climbing gym that I go to this morning at like 7.30 AM and the way the walls are all set up, all the climbs that you do are color coded. Okay. And there's like an art to making the climb look good by using like these beautiful holds that might have this like different texture between the smooth part and the part you stand on. And like, it's all very artistic. And yeah. I think seeing that at like 7.30 AM can get you inspired to, mm. I don't know, you translate that to a shoe somehow or uh, a shirt somehow or a building somehow um and i think it's probably the same for Brittany, like seeing the nature that she sees and the plants and the animals and sort of all the different things that have these interesting quirks to them yeah. that you can take into your work life i think just keeping track of that while you're not working it feels like work but as long as you just keep that in the back of your mind as, yeah. oh, that's a cool reference. So that's a cool sort of shape, whatever it may be. I think that's a fun way to sort of mesh the two. What about you, Brittany? Like, I, I think like being in nature is awesome, but then also like you're, you're working remotely. So it's like just going, going back inside and like, is it your mm -hmm. surroundings that really like kind of encompass the entire thing? And then like, I see the art behind you. Like, are you, are you inspired when you walk into your, your house as well? <laughs> Um, it depends on the day. Sometimes I may need to get out. Um, with me, like I literally, I write down a lot of things. If something randomly comes, mm. I'll, like I'll take out my phone and just put it in the notes section. Um, if I see something cool, I'll just snap a picture. 
And I really like to try to carve time to where I can just sit and just think on like just a lot of the things that I want to do, that I'm thinking about doing, what I thought was cool, what I think I should trash and leave alone. Like I think just carving out that time um, to just process everything helps me to kind of balance the two like and i'm such a planner so i'll i'll literally plan it out the whole week when is that specific time i'm going to be like i'm not doing this i'm not doing that i'm setting this time setting this time yeah to think about blah 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 you know what i mean like i'm i don't know my time management is is very like very important and uh necessary for me to to be that creative freely or you know, in that nine to five space, if I have to. We're going to go into the shoes a little bit. That's why we're here. Brittany, I'd love for you to talk about what you've developed and the stories that have come up and throughout the entire process and why you came up with the final product. My shoe was the Golda. Um, Basically, that idea was birthed from wanting to create something that wouldn't end up in a landfill for like years and years and years because i mean it's evident that you know we as consumers toss a lot of things and they are not broken down and they're here like for generations and just the idea of circularity being able to use something that we've already purchased over and over again if we wanted to so that was just a point to build something that could um essentially be taken apart and put back together as many times as you would like and um that connects to me personally because I was always doing that as a kid. Um, I'm always tearing up something, <laughs> tearing open something, wanting to see what it is. But the problem is, um, and I would do that with shoes too, but the problem is um, once you've done that, uh, there's no way you can essentially put it back together and, and use it. So with the Golda, um, we decided to make it with no glue. Um, we're we're selling it. Um, you could buy mm. it assembled or uh, unassembled. Um, to give people um, just the opportunity to to do it yourself, to connect with your local cobbler or shoe repair person and get to know them and just go through the process of building a shoe. And if a year later you want to take it apart and maybe do something different, use some different stitching, you have that opportunity. But it's something that hopefully you can use a long, long time, um, you know, and, 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 cherish the importance of the story behind it of just being able to have something something meaningful and make it your own i guess that's kind of like what we were thinking talk about the aesthetic a little bit like it's something i feel um i'm going into a new gig that is having me wear i can wear sneakers whenever and i would feel comfortable wearing the golda in, in a setting that is quote unquote business casual, but it's something that is very, very upscale in my eyes. Talk about that a little bit and talk about like the uh, the colorways, stuff like that. Um, Why well, I love the colorways because um, the colors that, colorways that we dropped gives you an opportunity to spice it up or tone it down because there are lots of people who may not um, want to do this, the, the simple ink color that we have or the wheat they want to spice it up with the apricot or there's somebody that's opposite um we give you that that opportunity to to play with it in your wardrobe 
And just the simple and sleekness of it, it, it gives it a lot of versatility. Like to, if you want to dial it up with your uh, outfit and kind of tone it down with your shoe. But I feel like it's it's good enough to stand alone. Um, and it offers that comfortability that we uh, now cherish since the the uh, pandemic for some reason. We, we love that. So, and I, I love that we paired that moccasin upper with the sneaker bottom. I, I feel like it's a perfect combination, so. It's it's a beautiful shoe, and I'm I'm super super excited to have everybody see it and everything like that. Um, so, Dream, you have the Carver, and it's something that uh, you look at some of the colorways. If anybody has seen it, uh, there's one specific colorway that's a little, um, it's it grabs the eye. Talk about the talk about the shoe. Talk about your inspiration, stuff like that. Yeah, it's definitely a statement. <laughs> um, when we started designing the shoe about a year and a half ago. A lot of the references that we pulled when we were just coming up with new models came from those like early 2000s running shoes mm -hmm. where they were not necessarily overbuilt, but they had a lot going on between maybe the mesh quarter and like a micro suede overlay and just all those different details. And they were all sat on running toolings. And so we had the idea to do something like that, but on a cupsole, mm -hmm. just something that's more maybe more wearable and more durable and more versatile. Um, and so that's how we essentially came up with the design of the composite carver. Uh, the shoe, I think, like you said, is definitely a statement. When you walk out the house, that's going to be what people are looking at on your outfit. Um, and I think it's something that I love wearing because you get a lot of looks yeah. and a lot of questions. And knowing that it's a shoe that is super unique, but at the same time, with the different colorways that we have currently out and coming next different parts of those different parts of the shoe can like Brittany said be toned up or toned down because my friend had a pair that he wore to the office in a not composite colorway and everyone was like oh those are neat as opposed to what do you have on your feet because they're 17 different colors so i think that shoe is definitely definitely a versatile one that's ex that's exciting so also, um, I guess in scrolling through Instagram, seeing the actual shoe itself, I have to ask a little bit different question than Brittany got for her second question. But like when it comes to the Carver, what's the focus of the next colorways? And like, I guess the inspiration is, is the Carver going to be inspire, uh, I guess, a V2 or anything like that down the line, too, at least from what you can tell me, of course. Mm. That's, that's a great question. Um, Colorway-wise, we've got something coming out in the next few weeks. I don't know when this podcast drops, but at some point in the next few weeks, that's a little more, I would say, accessible. So if you don't want to wear the orange and red and green and blue, then you can rock this next colorway, which I think personally is my favorite. Um, and then in terms of iterating on it we do have some things in the works that sort of take the lines and the the shapes and some of the design language and it'll translate into not necessarily a carver v2 but i don't know how much i want to spoil but <laughs> no, you're good. something that's uh <laughs> something that's the carver but reimagined in a different way for a different playing field if you okay will. Okay. So. Interesting. Um, I'm excited to see it. So you mentioned uh, your process was a year and a half. Uh, Brittany, what, how long 
was your process in developing this the Golda? about the same about the same yeah year and a half okay there's a lot of people out there that uh it i, I guess that listen to the show um creatives in general that whether you're in footwear or not like that is like an eye-popping number for a, a ton of people like oh my gosh if i want a shoe it's gonna take that long um is that a quick process like normally for some shoes or is that kind of like it's it's about a year and a half for us to get the next product out and that's what it always is yeah i feel like a standard timeline for mm-hmm. footwear development from when you pick up your pencil to when you can actually buy the shoes in store yeah. is more or less a year and a half you can accelerate things based on um development and how fast you want to get the shoes over the water but typically you start designing something you do it for like you get it dialed in in like three months and then it goes to development and then the shoes are on the water for forever so like a year and a half later you've pretty much forgotten about it and you're on to the next thing and then they show up and you're like oh wow we we worked on this a year and a half ago and here it is and it looks hopefully just as good as we imagined it that's awesome that's amazing okay so um neither of you i guess uh played it safe when it came to actually developing uh either of your shoes i think it's something both both silhouettes are something that uh is new when you look at it um but i'd love to ask this question to any creative that jumps on where are you playing it safe right now i'm playing it safe sometimes when i don't fully share my my true true opinion of things because um you don't want to necessarily hurt someone's feelings or maybe put a bad taste in their mouth especially if it comes to critiquing and jeff is like so like you gotta say what you say which don't be nice okay like don't be nice (laughs) and to be honest with you um it's good if you're not because it's it's better to know it now, better to know the the real opinion um, of maybe like your work that you put out um, now versus when you're up a little bit higher and the consequences may hurt a little more when you when you get that truth back. So sometimes I feel like I play it safe when I'm like giving my true opinion, but I really want to get out of that and just be straightforward, honest um, and really uh Cause I feel like sometimes in, in the spaces that I'm in now, like my opinion is valuable. So, and, and sometimes you, you, you wrestle with that. Is it valuable enough for you to even share? Um, but I'm coming to a place now, especially with the team that I have that encourages like share, 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 um, to not play it safe in that area and really give, give my opinion. I think I might actually piggyback off that in a different way. Um, just in terms of sharing, but not necessarily, from an opinion standpoint, but just being able to talk about myself Mm. and the fact that I designed a shoe with 99 products that's out that I think people are liking, Yeah, but I haven't talked about it at all really. Like I haven't posted on my social media. I didn't post it on Instagram. I didn't post it on LinkedIn. I didn't post it on TikTok. And I, I don't know why, but something about social media and sort of telling my story and being proud of the things that I've done. I feel like I'm like kind of just like hiding it and not necessarily putting it out for the world to see. Yeah. Cause I see people like Salehi who does great work, creates great products, has super cool visions and 
he's like shouting himself out all the time as he should be yeah and i think he's really good at marketing himself and i don't really have that and it might be because i'm scared to because i'm like oh i don't know if people are gonna like it but Mm. at the same time just like britney said it's probably better to start now rather than waiting and waiting and waiting and then sort of never putting yourself out there so i think that's my if i had a resolution in 2024 it'd be to put myself out there damn those are two great like those are very very strong answers i love that um okay that's that's uh that opens the door to my last question uh what makes you strange on purpose what makes me strange on purpose this is a great question and a question i've had time to think about and i'm still still struggling to come up with a perfect answer not that there is one um but i think kind of going back to my point about being all over the map i think being all over the map is what makes me strange on purpose i got way too many things that i'm interested in djing rock climbing cycling legos all these random things that i like i make myself make time for because they all bring me joy in some way and i think they i don't know they're a part of me even if some of them are kind of lame like i was just playing chess earlier with my friend and chess is like i'm not gonna say chess is cool but chess is one of my new passions and i feel like all of these different things that i can just get too interested in kind of makes me strange on purpose huh i like that Brittany, what about you what makes you strange on purpose um like dream said it's just so many things probably i'd be here all day naming things and uh some things probably I shouldn't name, but um, let's see. So I'm going to relate it back to just my career. Um, just choosing this career makes me strange or more so the path I took makes me strange on purpose because um, this wasn't the path that I was actually going to go down. Um, and to be almost in graduate school and already having the job that's necessary to get there. I just decided three months into that job. And mind you, I was trying to get that job for like the last five years. Um, cause it was like that next step to where I needed to do to go to grad school. And I'm just like, I don't like this anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was struggling with it. So I, Probably to other people, it was just strange to just up and quit a job and go to New York to go to school um, and start that whole process all over again when you're pretty much 30 years old and you're like, I don't, is this what I'm supposed to do? And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, it's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, it's what you're supposed to do. And it may look strange. It may be weird to other people. It may seem crazy to just up and start something and 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 move away from what's comfortable or what's already set to just start on a new journey. Um, but you know, the faith that I have and the passion that I have, um, and not worrying about what others think, um, when I'm making this decision, basically to me makes me strange on purpose because not a lot of people would do that. A lot of people are too scared. A lot of people are set in their ways. And sometimes you gotta be a little strange and be a little different to get the results that you want. So I'm strange on purpose and I like it. 